Well, good to see every one of you. Um, so let's see what we can do in uh, just about 45 or so minutes. It's about 12.20. So um, if you recall from our first instances when we spoke about how you, you can lose the awe of God in your life. You can lose that. By traditions and religion and ignorance, you can lose the awe of God in your life so that you're caught in pure religion. Pure, not nice. Pure, the depth of the deceptions. Total religion. Just going through the motions and it has no life. But we also said you can reignite the passion of the fire of God in your life. That can be reignited. You don't have to lose it and stay like it's a permanent damage. You can have a reignition of that fire in your life. Then we walked through uh, several sessions where we spoke about how you can leave a spiritual heritage for your children. You can. You can be meaningful parents. <laughs> Whether biological, spiritual, or professional. You can be a meaningful parent. Uh, people who can make reference to your God in their life. Hmm? Hello? And I remember telling you, if your children are praying to the God of Abraham, it's a disaster that you are here. Why the God of Abraham? Doesn't their father have a God? Doesn't their mother have a God? Can your children make reference to the God that you walk with? And we demonstrated from scripture when, when Elijah was talking up in the whirlwind and Elisha remained, Elisha did not speak of the God of Abraham. Huh? Did you see Elisha doing that? May the God of Abraham... No. Elisha spent a couple of years with Elijah and he knew the God of Elijah. Yeah. And when Elijah was taken up in the whirlwind and the mantle fell, he took the mantle... When he faced the Jordan, he struck it. He said, where is the Lord God of Elijah? I've seen him. I've, I've experienced him through this man. And so he had received an impartation. Even the mantle falling is symbolism of something passing from that man to the other. Some parents are going and nothing is falling. The children are left wishing they were Abraham's children. <laughs> So they start calling for the God of Abraham, the God of Moses, the God of David, the God. It's wonderful. Those are records of, 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 of our family tree and what transpires in this family. But if we genuinely belong to this family, the same records can be in your life that your children can make reference to. What have you called forth in the spirit and it came to pass that your children saw? And we say it, if you don't do that, you're robbing the next generation of a spiritual heritage. You're setting them up to start where you started. That's a failure. Do you know what that's called in natural terms? Those kids are called street kids. They are street kids. They are packing boys. Why? Because they have no father or mother to set up a shoulder upon which they can stand and have a better life. So we're raising many street kids at home. They have no, no concept of your God. Why? Because you yourself do not have encounters with God. And so the next phase we spoke about how you can have encounters with God. You can have divine encounters with God. You can. You can. And I begged you, if not for you, at least for your children. 
have some divine encounters so they have something to fall back to. I love the story of one man, Dr. Maurice Cerullo. Doctor, was, it, was that Dr. Maurice Cerullo or, or Dr. John Gillick, one of them, and one of them, whose son or children had gone wayward at some point. But in the heart of the crisis, when they had no way out, the children remembered and said, the God of our Father, and turned their lives around. It's possible. And you can have divine encounters with God. You can, you can, you can. You're set up for that. You're called for that. You can, you can, you can. But all those divine encounters happen on the platform of a life of faith. And that's what we are aiming for by the grace of God. Amen? That's what we are aiming for by the grace of God. Mm. And so I've tried in, in five minutes to string some things together uh, out of several weeks of conversation that we've had together here. And, and, and in the latter, last week or the week, yeah, last week and something like that, we spoke of something that I want you to hold on to because it will help us as we keep progressing, um, that God has not left you without evidence of his hand in your life. God has not left you without, he has not left you without evidence. You know, as I'm saying that, I'm reminded something. I know we have short time today. Like, what I have said is like another 40 minutes and we need to pause so that we can go into the next service. But I just have to, Dikoroska Ebustan. Don't worry, just stand. Just stand where you are. Please uh, turn around. <laughs> turn around like this. <laughs> Next time you joke with me, remember he's my friend. <laughs> and I will send him to you. <laughs> to salute you with a five-fold ministry. Well, that's not what really I wanted to say, Deacon Oscar. I couldn't, I couldn't just dodge that. But we said something. God does not leave you without evidence. This gentleman almost died on Mombasa Road yes. years ago yes. when the enemy set up. It was a lorry. Yes. Ran over this guy. So I, I said last week, and as I'm just talking, I'm reminded, look at Deacon Oscar there. Look at Deacon Oscar there. And listen. You do not have the capacity to plan the good things that are coming into your life. So stop trying. Amen. You don't have it. In your best calculation, in your best estimation, you don't have it. And I said, we've said it severally, there is an enemy who's furious about your existence. And if he has anything he desires to do, scriptures in black and white states it, to kill, to steal, kill, and destroy you. But there is a hedge set by God. Amen. And why am I saying this this morning? Because sometimes, Pastor said it here, sometimes we get caught up with what we don't like. And we forget that it could have been worse had that hedge not been there. Could have been worse. Could have been worse. Why? Because the enemy wasn't interested. Sorry, you may say it. The enemy wasn't interested in breaking his limbs. He wants you dead. Yes. 
And if you think he's done, he wants you dead. He wants your mother dead, your father dead, your children dead, and anything associated with you dead. Because that's him. That's how he is. And we've explored in several weeks why that is the case. You can make revision. There's a deadly army of young people there. They can't sort you. I went to the back and I was looking at those guys and I asked Elam, Elam, when you are their age, did you even know what a laptop is? Uh, Mr. Musembi, if, if God didn't save you, you would have been a leader of a civil war. <laughs> uh, that's what people do in the civil law. They have ch child armies. Eh? They raise kids, turn them into militant dangerous people and then unleash them. This, that, I mean, the average age down there is what? Are those guys 14 or 13 or 12 and things like that? And they're coordinating amazing things. God bless them. You have no capacity to plan a life that brings you the goodness that you've enjoyed. So stop trying. Give it up to him. Start to lean and trust in God. You can't can't. I challenge you last week, wrap your mind around everything and ask me, today I'm reminded of my brother, Joe. We spent some time yesterday. How, how even your dad on earth could not have conceptualized how you'd be flying up and about, going into other countries to teach, to do what he couldn't. Yes. Forget you, your parents. Hmm? Mom, mom is with the Lord. But I'm sure as mom, as they, they, as they hear reports and everything, she's amazed. There's no way. There's no, we knew each other before he got married back there. there was, even then, in our biggest dream, there was nothing like that. No way. There's nothing like that. Forget even flying abroad. Even marrying Carol was not in the picture. <laughs> no way. Because you look at yourself and say, I'm disqualified already. I am just disqualified by the goodness of God. Amen. But that goodness is about something. God has not left us without beacons of evidence in our lives. Amen. Does not leave us. And, and we will come there by the grace of God. That's why Hebrews chapter 11, I'm jumping ahead of myself. Hebrews chapter 11 says, defines faith. Now faith is. The substance of things hoped for. Now, listen, what is hope? Something you're looking forward to, which means it's not here. It does not exist. Romans states it plainly. You cannot hope for what is there. Can, Jose, can you hope to be married to Carol? <laughs> not possible. That has happened. Hello? I cannot hope to meet you this today. I have met you already, so it cannot be hoped for. So you hope for what has not yet come, which means it's in the future. But then faith is defined in a twofold fashion. One is that it is the substance. When they put substance there, they negate wishes. It's tangible, it's substantial, it's real. Of things hoped for, things that have not come. But the second part says what? The evidence of, you can't hope for evidence. The evidence of things not seen. Can you show up in court and they ask you, um, what are you saying? Uh, I'm saying so and so did this, this. And then they ask you, what is the proof? Then you say, I'll bring it. You'll be thrown out. It's expected there. Or you say, I'll manufacture it. <laughs> evidence must be produced. 
so, so look at this. Oh, God will help us get there. There's things hoped for, but they are made tangible by things that have already happened. Evidence cannot be generated in the future. It must have happened. That's why it's evidence. If you show up before a court of law, what, what does the judge do? Judge, jury, what do they do? They process and determine a ruling based on evidence. Based on what? Evidence. Proof. Evidence. Based on evidence, they determine a ruling. So you cannot show up in court without evidence. The evidence must be there. So the evidence is always what has already transpired. Now I return you back to what I said. God has not left you without evidence. Amen. Hello? Deacon Oscar. So you want to know you will get to where you are going. You just need to look back and you have proof. You have proof. <laughs> are you getting me? Yeah. You have evidence that he cares. And I've said it here severally and I repeat again. I repeat it. If you feel you have none to look up to, no evidence, look to the cross. It's louder than anything else. If that was done for you, there's nothing else that cannot be done for you. Hallelujah. Okay, so let's try and get back to today. See where that takes us. That devil hasn't changed since the days of Jesus. Still keen on stealing, killing, destroying. But then the fact that he hasn't changed reminds you he's still defeatable. <laughs> he's still defeatable. Have you ever asked yourself, Colossians chapter 2 verse 15 says, um, and having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in his cross. So the cross is an open display of the triumph of Jesus over principalities and powers. Is that true? Is that true? Hello? Yes. Having spoiled. Huh? Is it the one? I like King James. And having spoiled principalities and powers, he made a show. That's an open display. He made a show of them openly, triumphing over them in it. If you read the previous verses, you'll see it's about the cross. So triumphing over them in his cross. So the cross is evidence. The cross is evidence of the triumph of Jesus over all principalities and powers, isn't it? Hello. Oh, you're looking like that this morning. Shika. <laughs> Come on. Come on. We have a few minutes. Liven up. I want to take us another step by God's grace. Then we move on. And having spoiled principalities and powers, Having spoiled principalities and powers. Having done what? Spo what is to spoil? Hmm? To, sp to spoil is to spoil, isn't it? Yes, to spoil. Hmm? To spoil. That means irreparable. Are you with me? He, he didn't break principalities and powers. He spoiled. That means irreparable. Ephesians 6.12. Ephesians 6.12. I have no idea where we are going. Let's go. <laughs> Honestly, none of those in my notes. But let's go quickly. Ephesians 6.12. 
For we wrestle not against flesh and blood. So we're in war. Our context is warfare, isn't it? But we wrestle not against flesh and blood, but against what? Principalities and powers. It seems to me like there's a contradiction. If he spoiled them, why are we wrestling them? He spoiled them. Why are we wrestling them? 2 Corinthians 5.18. I think we've read that before. And perhaps to be our connection point. 14. 14. For the love of Christ constraineth us, because we thus judge, that if one died for all, then were all dead. Verse 15. We'll read a couple of verses. And that he died for all. Spoiled principalities for all. That death was on the cross. So is that true? So on the cross, he died for all. And upon that cross, or on that cross, he spoiled principalities and powers and made an open show of them. So he died for all. He spoiled principalities and powers for all. That they which live, that they which live should not henceforth live unto themselves. He died that they should not henceforth live unto themselves, but unto him which died for them and rose again. So his death is pointless for anyone who lives for himself. And hence the continuity of our warfare with a foe who has been triumphed over. Because the choice to live for self is presenting you for war with this enemy. Oh, no. I know it doesn't sound nice. And he died for all, that they which live should not henceforth live for themselves. The purpose of his death. The purpose of his death. So to negate the purpose of his death is to live contrary to the provisions of that death. Isn't it? And he opened the door for all who come in to enter in. Now, if you walk away from the door, what are you saying? Whatever is provided for inside that room, you cannot access. Or maybe we read a few verses, so you see. But unto him which died for them and rose again. The next verse. Wherefore, henceforth, know we no man after the flesh. Yet though we have known Christ after the flesh, yet now henceforth know we him no more. Keep going. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. If any man, if any man be in Christ, therefore, if any man be in Christ, but he died for all, but his death for all does not automate the inclusion of everybody in Christ. There has to be a choice. And when that choice is made, then your inclusion in Christ makes you a new creature. Because last week in our discussions, we observed that if you allow for your mind renewal, you experience a transformation or a metamorphosis that causes you to become a different being from what you were before. A new creature. New creature. And what happens to new creature? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things are become new. 
I know, I know, I agree totally. The self-exalted being, when it reads these scriptures, it says old cars have passed away. <laughs> Behold, all things have become Mercedes. It's not what he's saying. Old things are passed away. That means everything that could be associated with your old existence ceases to be. Not that it has disappeared, but you have become something else. And your instant transformation changes your appetite, changes your desires, changes your pursuits. And it makes it impossible for the system to bait you. And then the war ends in those regards. Then you can afford to ignore the devil and carry on with the work of God. Hello? Old things are passed away. They are passed away. They are passed away. What is it that's passing away? What is these old things? Old things are passed away. Behold, all things have become new. Verse 18. And all things are of God who has reconciled us to himself by Christ Jesus and has given us the ministry of reconciliation. Keep going. To witness that God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself, not imputing their trespasses unto them. That's very coherent with John 3, 16, 17. He did not send his son to condemn the world, but that through his, his son the world may be redeemed. And hath committed unto us the word of reconciliation. Has committed us to us the word of reconciliation. Verse 20. Now then, we are ambassadors for Christ. As though God did beseech you by us, we pray you in Christ's stead, be ye reconciled to God. So he has reconciled us to himself. My reconciliation with God is the basis for my ambassadorial responsibility. My ambassadorial position excludes me from the realities of the world that I have been posted in. Hello? You will never hear the American ambassador worry about the price of milk in Kenya. Right? No, he be. None of his business. Doesn't care. Why? Because he lives by the reality of a different economy. But you will see them concerned about the American election. Yet they are here in Runda. They are here in Mudaiga. But they are worried about the, re the election, the outcome of the election in the U.S. How much did it bother you? Well, if it bothered you, you need help. <laughs> Don't tell me how much it bothered you, you need help. Hmm? I feel like taking another naughty detour there, but let's carry on. Oh, no, let's carry on. We have a few minutes. If it bothers you, you need help. Hmm? Hello? So he has the audacity then to say, though you are in the world, you are not of the world. Why? Because I have, what, what, what excluded me from the world? My reconciliation to him. My reconciliation to him. What is to reconcile? What is to reconcile? Hello? To bring into harmony. Right? Romans 12, 2. And be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. That's Romans 12, 2. It's coming on the backdrop of Romans chapter 8, where it says to be spiritually minded is life, but to be carnally minded is death. So there is a mind, a shift in the waves of frequency, of thinking, of perception, of looking at things that brings us into harmony or disharmony. He reconciled us to himself. That's why the previous verse says he's given us the word of reconciliation. And we pray you in Christ's name, be ye reconciled to God. Verse 21. 
For he hath made him to be seen for us who knew no sin, that we may be made the righteousness of God in him, in Christ Jesus. Hallelujah. Take us to our slides. We do like 20. Take us to our slides. I am excited at the prospects of living powerfully on the earth. I'm excited. It's, this, it's getting real. <laughs> hmm? It's getting more and more real. Second Corinthians 5, the one that we read, 14, says he died for all. That they which live should not henceforth live for themselves, but for him who for them or for their sake died. So we're not intending to live. Relax, Satan. We're intending to die. <laughs> so that you have nothing to get. I mean, if you have a squabble with a man or a woman, you've disagreed and you have some nasty exchange and you're so angry with them, they're your neighbor or something. So angry, so angry. Then in the morning you wake up and you hear them howling on the other side, and you say, Niwaizi, ninini, then they say, no, so-and-so died. Do you continue with your squabbles? <laughs> In fact, you start regretting, right? Hello? Like, oops, I didn't make up. Huh? Do you continue? Wewe sasa umekufa na atujamaliza. Leo tulisema tuna fight. I want us to fight. No, you won't. It's over. That's the whole idea. It's over. The war ends when I die. The battle continues for as long as I live in or for self. But it ends when I die. And if I die daily, it ends daily. <laughs> Hello? 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 I am sharing with you from my heart. I die daily, it ends daily. Hmm? Some of you, your prayers are overly punctuated with Satan, devil, Satan, devil, Satan, devil. You experience him all the time because you are too alive to yourself. Diminish. Come down and see a place of peace that he cannot touch. Come down, bring down that self and come to a place of rest where you live as though he died. John, John the Baptist made a profound statement when they attempted to pitch him to compete with Jesus. <laughs> disciples, disciples the disciples came to him, that guy is baptizing more than you. <laughs> yeah, they told him, John, 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 guess what, guess what? That, that guy you said, lamp, lamp. Remember that guy you called lamp? Yeah. The one Andrew and uh, Andrew and one other guy followed. Yeah, those ones are Andrew left you. He's baptizing more than you. Your ministry is dying. <laughs> John said, "It's all right. I must decrease that he may increase. Renew your mind. Be nonconformist. Think differently, isn't it? And we looked at that." When you renew your mind, Romans 12 to, don't go there, just Romans 12 to, and it says, um, be not conformed to this world, but be ye transformed by the renewing of your mind. We said when you renew your mind, you 
you get into a state of disharmony with the world system. Disharmony. But at the same time, you're being harmonized or reconciled to God. In that state, in that state, when you dare to allow this process, then you bring your soul to submission. That was a point we covered. You bring your soul to submission. I'm telling you, too many. Zinaito a soul train. <laughs> Souls taking lead and causing chaos. And I demonstrated by way of illustration, um, uh, Edwin and uh, Pastor Toby. So we had Edu on one side and Pastor Toby on another and said, that disharmony inside where the soul attempts to take lead, yeah, makes the world system appealing to you. It makes the world system appealing to you. Hmm? Um, Okay, so I'll spare you the lifting of hands. But there could be some here who have tried sweepstake, loto, shinda, gema, all those things that promise you quick money by scratching a card or sending a number or something, isn't it? Hello, don't lift your hand, betika, katika. Uh, don't lift your hand, but uh, in case it has happened, just, just, just look at me and then close your eyes. Nobody will see your eyes closed. They all look at me. What is the lure? What is the lure? I, I, have you ever done the mathematics? Hello? Have you ever done the mathematics? It's very simple. Let's do some math. Let's do some math. Okay? Let's do some quick math. It takes a hundred shillings to, bet, to, to, to do a bet, isn't it? A soccer bet, yeah? It's a hundred, Bob. Yeah, Pastor Mungai, one hundred, and you could walk away with two hundred million. Isn't that awesome? Come on, guys, isn't it? One hundred. You guess these games, and you could walk out with hundred million. Wow. Okay, let's do the math. Let's do the math. A hundred shillings. Now we know, by the time you saw government intervention on matters of betting, it was an addiction in the country, a wave. Now let's just take out of our whole country, which is over 60% young people. Now, the young people are some of the biggest victims. We have some old people who are victims of young people disease. But the young people... <laughs> Young people are the biggest victims. Now, 60% of our population is youth, very young. So let's take 60% of 50 million. How, much do, how many people do we have? 50% would be 25 million, isn't it? 60% is above 25 million, isn't it? So now, let's just get nice and drop it to 50% and do 25 million. 25 million are young people, okay? Very young, isn't it? Now, just drop that lower. 25, that's just the young people. So let's take half out, half of that out, and say they have no 100 bob. They are too young to have 100 bob. So we are left with 12.5 million young people, isn't it? 12.5 million young people who have 100 bob. Let's knock out half again and say half refused to do anything to do with Betika. We are left with 6.25 million active young people. 
6.25 million. Let's give ourselves an error of margin and remove 1.25 million. We're left with 5 million young people. 5 million young people. Put 100, Bob. How much is that? Sorry? 5 million. 500 million per day. They bet today, they bet tomorrow, they bet because they're always trying to get 200 million. Then after eight months of betting, one is given 50 million and it inspires the rest to bet more. There's nothing those guys are offering. They collect from them and give them a small part. So I met someone who knows some of these guys in those businesses, and he showed me details about how their lives changed since they started doing Betika and all these other guys. Simple. Hello? If I come to this room, you're sitting here about 100, 100 let's say you're 100, 100 people, and I tell you, I'll give a thousand bob to anyone who gets this question right. But for you to participate, give me a hundred bob. You are a hundred of you. Yes. If you give me a hundred, I have 10,000 bob. Why can't I give a thousand? <laughs> In fact, I'll give two. Then all of you are you're impressed by how. Huh, Deacon Isabel just gave her a hundred and she has walked away with a thousand. Pia mina jaribu. Okay. Then the, the bottom rule is normally as many times as you want. So if you come and try my question and get it wrong, I tell you put another hundred, you can try again. Hmm? Before you know it, if all of you in this room, at, as if you are a hundred, if all of you did it three times today, just give me 30,000 and I awarded three of you with a thousand each, and I'm left with 27,000. Simple mathematics, isn't it? But what's the bait? What's the lure? Let me tell you something. You will never see a rich man petikaring. <laughs> what's the lure? Society has created a system with which you are rated and classified, and now you think, I am the have not, and I want to have. And then they present you with a shortcut to have. So when you look at the shortcut to have, you are lured into participating. And so the hard-earned 500 shillings that you have, you give it to them daily at 100, hoping to get a million. And you know, if you want to make the system, if you want to oil the system very well, you don't just give 100 million to one person. You make sure daily there are people who are winning 10,000, 5,000, 6,000, 20,000, 30,000. So it excites the system. Yeah? Because what happens if I won 30,000, who's my closest confidant? Joe. And I tell Joe, Joe, I won. Tomorrow, Joe is in. Okay? And then Joe gets all but one question wrong. He was very close to the jackpot. <laughs> So tomorrow, of his own motivation, he goes further than me. What am I saying? If there is a disharmony with the world by reason of mind renewal, then the world no longer appeals. And if it doesn't appeal, the prince of this world comes and finds nothing. 
So it's possible to be in a state where it doesn't appeal. It's possible. In our generation, the big pursuits are what? A house, a car. Hmm? What's the other one? A house, a car, a wife, <laughs> and a dog. Huh? It's a big pursuit in our generation. Okay? So the world does what? Creates a value system that it induces you with and then stratifies society so that you have an aspiration to get where so-and-so is. Hmm? Right? So they said in that cartoon strip illustration, hmm? cartoon strip illustration, a man who had, is it the other way? I think it's the other way, but let me just tell it the way I can easily remember. A man who has no limbs, is crippled, crying to God. No, it's the other way, actually. They say a man, a man who was desirous of, quote, the next level. Okay? So, in his next level desire, I think I'm telling this story wrong, but let me just tell it. Yes. It's just tell it. So, he's desirous of the next level. Hmm. I don't know the story, man. <laughs> <laughs> kind of stories. God has to help. <laughs> story. What's the story? Anyway, in the cartoon strip, they draw different, like, like strips, yeah? You know how they do the cartoon strips? And there is, there is a guy who's flying in, in a helicopter. And as they are flying away, there's a man on the ground who's wishing that one day he'll get a helicopter. But he's walking. He has no, no he, he's on footcopter, yeah? So he has no helicopter. And then as he's walking, he sees a man with a car, a nice car. And he desires that he would get a car. Then when he has got the car, he can... No, yeah, that he would get a car. But the guy in the car desires that he would get a helicopter. Then as he moves on, he meets a guy on a bicycle. And he desires that he would have the bicycle. But the man on the bicycle desires that he would have a car. And the man in the car desires that he would have a helicopter. Now, desire is a polite word. They are crying. They are praying for it. And then as he goes on thinking, God, at least you can give me a bicycle, he now meets a man who's crippled. And he realizes, God, I have legs. This man doesn't have. So he sees the futility of his prayer and his desire. Anyway, those are just cartoon strips. So what am I saying? The system conjures in us a value system, works in us a value system that gets us onto the rat race or the treadmill. In fact, one of the characteristic markers, this is important, one of the characteristic markers of the world system is discontentment. You will never be contented. Never. It's always about the next thing, the next fad, the next, the next phase, the next what. And then the enemy deceptively or cunningly teaches us to word that with scripture. Are you getting me? Yes. And the result is, we have all, uh, we have churches in masses 
dipped or baptized in the world system, but coated with scripture. Okay? Listen to me and listen keenly. We have a minute or so to go. Listen keenly. Do not subscribe to all this nonsense that seeks to induce or goad your soul to rise above your spirit's rule. You are going to be great. You will make it more than the makers. You are... Listen, kind. Listen. He called you to die, not to be great. Oh, we don't like that. That was the only invitation. That's why the entry point of your reconciliation and relationship with him is the cross, not the throne. If, if the Lord appeared, seated on a throne, bright and glorious, and said, come ye all who are heavy laden, I'll give you rest, they would have all come. But he came lowly, the king of kings, possessor of heaven and earth, came owning nothing, riding on a colt, born in a manger, to depict what his call is on your life. So that if you oblige, if you agree to follow, then you start your journey to the cross. You die to self. One day, someday. Well, let's state the second result then is what? Let's just state two things and then we can wrap up. The second result is if you choose, no, no uh, is it? Is it? No, just take that back. I changed this slide. Brian has the old one. Just take it back. One step back. Can it? Okay, leave it there. The second, it's not that. Don't, don't follow that. The second result, I'm talking about result of renewing your mind. The first one is that you bring the soul to submission. The second result of renewing your mind is that you receive eyes that see through the lie. Hmm? X-ray vision, shall we call it. Eyes that see through the lies. Remember, the whole thing is a scheme, isn't it? Hello? Ah, come on. Musha, expire. Hmm? The whole thing is, remember, it's a scheme. Let me give you a quick story. Follow me. Um, 19, should have been 98. 98, I think 1998. I'm coming from college. Uh, I was at the University of Nairobi. I'm coming from college uh, right around anniversary towers, Mindeleo and Oake building area. So I'm passing there near uh, Allianz, no, that's Got, Got Institute. Just there, I'm passing right there. And this old man comes to me. And he's old, he's really old. Eh? And he looks a bit haggard, yeah? Old and a bit haggard. And he comes to me, I buy. And I look at the old man, Missouri. <laughs> Missouri. And he said, This idea. This idea. I'm like, What is it? He said, This idea. I said, What is it? He said, I'm from Mombasa. You talk about Mombasa? Naenda kakamega. Na nilikosa basi ya direct. So nikachukua basi ya kushukia Nairobi, nichukua ingine. Naenda kakamega. Then as he said that statement, tears start rolling down his eyes. And he tells me, 
wameniibia kila kitu wameniibia kila kitu and tears are rolling i'm moved and so i look at him and he tells me nikona 350 ilikuwa kwa socks awakuchukua saidi na 50 nikate ticket niende kakamega and i was moved and i reached out and gave him 50 shillings and he went his way and i went my way as i went on there was a bit of you know ting ting but <laughs> went my way every friday i used to go home so I'd exit campus the next week on friday maendeleo anawake building area mtoto wangu i say see it's very hard for him to remember me but it's easy for me to remember him are you with me it's hard for him to remember me because perhaps he's done that to 15 20 people that day and it's a week later so if he's been doing it every day he can't remember the people he's met but he came up to me mtoto wangu and I'm looking at him, like I know you I know you so he started telling me nilikuwa then I told him eh ulikuwa umetoka Mombasa unaenda Kakamega wamekuibia unataka 50 bob he told me jinga he walked away <laughs> jinga now I'm the mjinga <laughs> what's the second result when you allow your mind to be renewed you see through the lie and i tell you such freedom such freedom such freedom it is such freedom hello how many times did the devil come at jesus many times how many times did he fail every time why disharmony with the world harmony with god so there was no connection every time he came every time he failed you see the devil is like that umze he has forgotten he came yesterday but he came that's one of his qualities he persists he came but when he came every time he came every time he lost it's possible to live like that it's possible to live like that it's possible to see through the lie before it is sprung on you you're aware and you're looking at it like lies 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 you won't get me i told you last week the story of how this uh, when benjamin was hurt and we rushed to hospital and i'm with a colleague who has a active medical card and the enemy whispers use the card nobody will know whether it's benjamin's dad or not after all you don't have the money if i wasn't seeing through it i'm baited hello how do you catch fish with a hook guys you bait them with something they eat now you try 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 this eh you can try this go to the lake or the water body that has fish and you want to catch it with a hook rod and hook okay try this put on the hook a thousand bob and throw it <laughs> fish don't care for you a thousand bob right so they will swim right past it because they don't care for you a thousand bob this harmony with the world puts you in such a state where it does not appeal to you 
it doesn't appeal to you. It doesn't draw you. And so when the enemy springs it, it fails because it doesn't draw you. Hallelujah. Jesus lived like that. It's possible. Let's say the final one on those results so we don't go back there. The third one, if you, remember we had done the other week, if you conform, then you're alienated from God and you remove yourself from the authority, isn't it? The, the protective authority of God. But now we are saying if you choose not to conform and choose to renew your mind, which means bring yourself into harmony with God, then we say number one is you bring the soul to submission, which means what? You dis, you disengage yourself with the world's appeal, isn't it? Number two is then that you start having eyes that see through. And because you see through, the enemy's traps become obvious to you. Hmm? Very obvious to you, isn't it? Hello. My soul escaped like a bird out of the snare of the fowl. He can't, he can't. He sets up and it's like setting up the trap in plain sight. You're seeing it because your eyes are seeing correctly. Did you see this about Jesus? He's saying knowing the hearts of men. As, as the enemy was conjuring up these things, he has already seen the lie. It's like, you don't get me. Finally, you bring your soul to submission. When you bring your soul to submission, the soul stops ruling. And so the, 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 the reason the system is so effective, I told you, is because it appeals to the soul's rule. But now you cut off the soul's rule. Then the system and its bait stop being appealing to you. Second reason, second thing, you start seeing through the lies. When you start seeing through the lies, you escape the traps of the enemy. Hello? The scripture becomes very true. Uh, there's no temptation that has come to you, but such as is common to men. But God will, with every temptation, do what? Make a way of escape. A way of escape is not running away. It means you're seeing through it, so it can't get you. Hello? It cannot? Can't get you. Can't get you. So the enemy is disempowered. He's made powerless right before your eyes. Can't get you. Even if he moves his headquarters next to your house, can't get you. The prince of this world cometh and finds nothing in you. Can't get you because your eyes are seeing through. Let's read a scripture, 1 John 2, and then we say state the last reason. And then now we are ready for point 2 and point 3 next time. 1 John 2.16. Actually, we'll do, no, don't go there. Stick here. Then we go to 1 John 2, we read 16 and 17 and we close. First uh, John 2, 16 and 17, then we'll cross. So back, back to point number three. So number one is your soul's rule is diminished, isn't it? And so you give yourself room to be led by the Spirit, by the Spirit of God and by the by Holy Spirit and by your, your Spirit takes lead. Secondly is that you see through the lies. And once you can see through the lies, the bait is obvious can't get you. And then the third reason is you start seeing into the future. You start seeing into the future. It's important to see the future. <laughs> it's important to see the future. John chapter 14, Jesus said when he, the Holy Spirit, come, this is what he will do to you. He will take what is mine and give it to you, current. That's current, isn't it? He will remind you that's past and he will show you what is to come. That's future. Okay? 
Hello? The clearer your sight is of the future, the more powerful your now becomes. Are you with me? Because your now, your current state, your now is dignified by the future. Hmm? If there is no future, the now is meaningless. Yeah? I mean, it's there in your Bible. When the Israelites had sinned against God, God deleted the picture of the future called land of promise. He said, I'm not taking you. So what happened? They started walking around the same mountain for 40 years. You can't see and decide no, they can't because the future is gone. So become meaningless wanderers in the wilderness. Once the future disappears, that's it. Your now lacks dignity, lacks meaning, lacks reason. But when the picture of the future is accurate, your now becomes powerful. But you see, that's where the enemy also intercepts and paints for you his own style of the future. Nikipata tu kagari, kanyumba, na kabibi, na kadogi. Nimefika. Nimefika jihanamu. First John 2. Let's read 16 and 17. And we close. Let's read First John 2, 16 and 17. I think we're good now. Are we good? Yeah, let's read First John 2, 16 and 17. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. Um, just take me to 15, just in case I missed it. 15, take it back. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. Then go on to 16. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, lust of the eyes, and pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. 17. And the world passeth away. This is the important picture about the future. The world passeth away. The world does what? And the last thereof. But he that doeth the will of God does what? See? That's what Jesus told them. Hey, dudes, what's the point of gaining the whole world and losing yourself? And that statement is first prefixed by beware of covetousness. It's a last. Jesus tells them, beware of covetousness. What, what does it benefit a man if he gains the whole world and loses his soul? So why is that futile? Because the thing you're gaining called the whole world is temporary. And the soul that you're losing is eternal. So he's telling them, you start seeing an accurate picture of what the end looks like. This is an important statement. What does the end look like? What is the end? What is the final frontier that your eyes can see? What can you see? What can you see? Hmm? What can you see? Now, look, you can use this to help yourself calibrate things correctly. What can you see of the final future? The final future. The big picture. The ultimate end. The world and all that is in it passeth away. True? Hello? The world and all that is in it, then why do you let it define you? Hmm? Why should it define you? Let's stand. If the future, is a wonderful statement I had one man of God say, if the future, hmm, if the future, the end is the destruction of Babylon or the world system, why do I love Babylon? What does that tell you? I am not going into the future, I profess. <laughs> Hello? 
where we are standing right now, I'm repeating in this way, where we are standing right now. Hello? Where we are standing right now. Please point for me the direction for Nakuru. Nakuru. Where is Nakuru? Okay, so if Nakuru is this way, and we say a journey of a thousand miles starts with one step, isn't it? Nakuru is that way. If I say I'm going to Nakuru, can this be true, really? My movement, my life must be consistent with the future or the frontier I am aiming for. What is that future? If the future is the end of the world and an eternity with God, I can tell if you believe that in how you move today. And I can tell if it's just an empty profession or confession. Empty. Because that correct sight of the future... Excuse me, if you could see, if you could see that this boat, if I, this boat, if you could see the future, I board this boat, when this boat has done five miles into the lake, it capsizes. Would you board it? Now, if you boarded it, it is clear proof you couldn't see the future. True? Where is the frontier, the ultimate picture? Where is it? What is it and how is it set in your heart? Colossians, we were read for that scripture. It says, set your affection on things. Why? Because everything else is temporal. Now, those are things that you can try to muscle your power to get to. You will never get there by soul power. Willpower is of the soul. There's only one way to get there. Die. Just die.